Hello and welcome to episode two of Football Gantron Podcast. I am Adam and I am here with Armen, Chadens, and Theo. And we just got off the back of a very impressive 2-1 away victory for Armenia against Woo! Georgia in the UEFA Nations League. We're going to be talking through everything from the lineup to the goals to some important decisions that were made by both managers and by the referee. Boo. Uh, and we'll also be looking ahead to Wednesday to, I think the, the clash that we all knew was coming, but you know, we weren't trying to get ahead of ourselves, but the, the big, big match against North Macedonia that will be played in Cyprus where the winner will win the UEFA Nations League group. All right, let's go ahead and begin with the Armenia lineup. Joaquin Kaparos had a lot of decisions to make uh, due to a lot of missing personnel. Uh, Armin, talk us a little bit through who Armenia was missing. Well, at the previous podcast, we already had a clue that Mkhitaryan was probably going to miss this game, which at the end he did. And Armenia had to deal without him. We already also knew that Bayramian was out, uh, Palekian as well. So those are two important uh, wingers besides Mkhitaryan that were out, right? And to add further fuel to the fire, Edgar Babayan, which was prior to the game, he was one of the most important cards for how it everything seemed to be lined up for. Turns out... W- Yesterday, just yesterday, uh, before the game we're recording uh, on the game day, yesterday we found out Babaya got uh, COVID or had to be somehow uh, quarantined due to COVID. And he all of a sudden we had to deal with that as well. So Armenia had to face this game, this derby, which is not unimportant with a very weakened side, with a very weakened squad. And we chose Yurchenko at the goal, right? Mm -hmm. The defense was was pretty much what we were prepared for, yeah. Yeah. And here's where things got interesting. Uh, Artak Grigorian, one of the two midfielders, the two defensive midfielders, was chosen to... uh, go with Salomon Udo. For the first time, he chose Udo to to lead the defensive midfielder alongside usual Krikorian. And up front, this time, Parsegian was there as we, as we knew he was going to be and turned out to be a very important factor for this win. We're going to talk about him later on. And on the other wing, on the left, to replace... Babayan, he chose Kevor Kazarian, much to your dismay, Adam. You're going to talk about it. <laughs> I'll talk about it. I, 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 I still stand by my by my words. I still uh. I believe youth development is very, very important. So I still stand by my words. I, I think he, as we'll discuss, he played his role in this match. He did exactly yeah. what he was instructed to do. And at the end of the day, it worked. Uh, but Yeah, and, and he was also captain. And uh, that's a very important detail because he led, actually led the game with the pace, the tempo that was ex- expected of him. And to finish off the, the lineup, 
uh, up front, there were Saku Adamian alongside Karabidian. That's interesting to me. Yeah, and and this is where the formation comes into play. Armenia was playing a 4-4-2 on paper. Uh, Adamian was more of a false nine, and Grigorian and Udo were the central midfielders that were playing uh, a defensive holding role. Um, Chadens, how does the 4-4-2 with two defensive midfielders work, and uh, how did Armenia execute that? It was genuinely a smart idea. Uh, it's it's a very balanced team, but uh, Kaparos had this uh, small small details that were a little different. Adamian as a false nine rather than a uh, second striker, gave him more freedom to attack from the right, which uh, the opposite actually happened. He attacked from the left on the second goal, which was very smoothly taken by him, a cool class finish. Um, having this sort of freedom for a player like Adamian, who's on form, uh, gave us a, a better way of attacking, uh, giving uh, this kind of threat to a slow-sided Georgian team. Yeah, and and the four-four-two shape is a shape that's uh, very um. How stable. can I put this? It is stable very stable and balanced. Yeah, and it's it's hard to mess up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very it's hard true. to mess up. And so we had Grigorian and Udo in those holding mids. Ghazarian on the left, Barsagan on the right. Uh, but they swapped wings uh, plenty of times throughout the match. Um, and we saw something that you know we hadn't seen with uh for armenia in a while armenia hasn't really yeah. struggled to score goals but what we saw was great attacking interplay and interchanging passes between the two forwards uh theo how give us your comments and your opinions on how karapetian and uh, adamian played together up top for me it was really interesting to to see the the two on the on the front because as you said aram um, before adamian played as a, a false nine, and um, he, this role give give him uh, huge freedom and uh, more creativity on the on the pitch. And I think um, these are the, the qualities uh, of Adamian, of Sako, Super Sako, and Kara um, at the front um, played his role as usual, um, more combative, more uh, in the in the fight, in the the conservation uh, of the ball. Um, so for me, it was a great duo. Uh, I really hope to to see the the two uh, again in the, again Macedonia uh, Wednesday. And uh, yeah, it was really really good. Uh, and I even if um, if we sometimes um at the difficulties to to keep the ball and we just have uh, 32 percent of position if i'm right um they were really combative and um they didn't have so much opportunities but um they were uh, efficient and uh, mainly obviously um adamian so i really enjoyed yes and I think we all enjoyed Adamant's performance. Um, but let's turn our attention quickly to the Georgian lineup. Uh, Georgia had nine changes 
from their 1-0 loss to Macedonia in the Euro playoffs. Uh, in our previous podcast, we had... Uh, We'd guessed and we'd figured that this was going to be the case. And we knew coming into this, despite what the manager, Vladimir Weiss, had said prior to the match, that he wasn't going to make as many changes, there were still wholesale changes to this lineup. Only Gavilia and Konkava started this match that started the uh, loss against Macedonia. But what this gave this Georgian side was a lot of attacking opportunities and midfield options from the bench. And that's something that, once we get into the second half a little bit, uh, is going to be very, very obvious how helpful it was to them. So let's start with the first half of the match. Uh, Armen, would you say it was? it's a fair statement that Georgia dominated the first 25 minutes of the match? Yeah, in a way. I mean, uh, yeah, they they certainly did look uh, a lot more dangerous at the beginning, uh, creating more chances, absolutely monopolizing the possession of the game and the ball, right? They had total control during those first three, uh, first 30 minutes and just didn't seem to click in the attack, in the deep attack which is why we got off that uh, early nerves. And after that, we started to push on back and create our, some chances of our own. And then that, that's when Armenia finally understood that this was an actually winnable game. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I, I believe, I strongly believe this game was... Uh, played the way it was supposed to be we could have even created and scored more chances than we actually had and uh, it's a show that possession not necessarily means uh, playing better it, that de- definitely is the case and I know uh, I know I think a famous saying is possession is nine tenths of the game and the one tenth missing is the all-important goals so that's something that Georgia was very, very adverse of in their previous match and a large criticism of Vladimir Weiss in their one nil loss to North Macedonia, which saw Macedonia qualify for their first ever major tournament. Uh, that could have easily have been Georgia, but quick uh, shout out to Macedonia. Congratulations to them. They definitely deserved it. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching them in the Euros in the summer. Uh, but back to this match. It was the same Georgia. It was the so much possession, looking so dangerous, but nothing really came out of the possession that they had. And I think another factor that played into this and another factor that probably played into the tactics that Kaparos decided to deploy was the condition of the pitch. Uh, Chadens, how did the pitch look like? Horrible. That's the word. Horrible. Uh, there were so many um, instances that we saw that uh, players just fell, slipped on the on the pitch. Uh, it's this is not a condition that you would want to see for a football match, a professional UEFA football match. And uh, funnily enough, we uh, we conceded a penalty with a very similar style, and. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not something you want to see in a game 
And uh, as a referee, I do not understand how this was accepted. Uh, other than the penalty decision, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. We'll definitely get into that penalty soon. But like you pointed out, it was very obvious. There were I counted just in the first half alone several slips, and in the second half specifically, uh, Arman Hovanesian uh, picked up the ball off of a poor pass in in the on the left wing. Perfect, great counterattacking opportunity down the left side, and he slips. And the Georgian winger grabs the ball, and next thing you know, Georgia's counterattacking the other way. Then that Perfect came purely example. down. Yeah, it came purely down to poor pitch conditions. Uh, but poor pitch conditions aside, uh, Armenia began to play a lot more forward thinking. I think one thing that we had noticed was in the first 20, 25 minutes, there was a half-hearted press that was going on. The central defensive midfielders weren't committing to the press as much. And that was part, yeah. partially due to uh, just a minor detail that I had noticed uh, about Sargis Adamian. Uh, what Adamian was doing was essentially gesturing to Solomon Udo, who was the defensive midfielder playing behind him whether or not to come up and press and when to not and there was a couple of circumstances where the ball was going onto the wing uh, and where you would expect the defensive midfielder to draw them uh, to draw out to the wing and help the forward and the winger uh, press uh, press the opposition to try to win the ball back in and initiate a counterattack. but I noticed on several occasions Sako had gestured to Udo to not come forward and that's because of what we had talked about in uh, in our preview was having the defensive midfielder draw to the wing was just going to leave a bunch of space open in the middle and leave Armenia open to the Georgia yeah. style of play which was quick interchanging passes right down the middle one two three four through ball they're in on goal they score uh but they didn't score first, did they? <laughs> the first goal <laughs> was scored yeah. by the one and only Gevor Ghazarian. Uh, it was his 14th goal for the Armenian national team. Uh, he is someone who, despite his age, um, has been somewhat of a journeyman in, in football. He's played in a lot of countries. He's played for a lot of clubs. He's someone that has shown up for Armenia in the big matches uh, that's definitely undeniable. Something that springs to mind immediately was his last-minute winner against the Czech Republic away. Uh, something that I, a goal that I would never forget. But Razarian and was, uh, the the goal against Montenegro as well, three-two. Yeah. 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 So he 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 comes out as a winner, and the goal was the result of an excellent counterattack started by Adamian uh, Theo. How did that goal happen? So, as we said, it was an excellent counter-attack started by uh, Sako uh, Jobor. He then passed wide to, to Barsekian, who looked like he went wider than he wanted. Um, he ran to the to the headline, ground ball to the penalty spot area, and uh, Hazarian tapped it for the, the one nil lead. Um, it was a great goal. Um, the run by... Uh, by uh, Barsekian and uh, the pass after was really smart uh, and um, the finish the finish of uh, Hazarian is uh, is perfect so I really I really enjoyed when 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 JJ10 scored yeah and, and and I think that's the perfect example of when we talk about Adamian playing at as at the false nine 
why it worked out yes. so well. Right, right, Armin? Yes. Yeah, it was it was a very enjoyable goal, and uh, it was the perfect expression of what not only were we expecting out of this team, but apparently what Caparroso as well. I'm um, I'm so happy at how both goals went, uh, how the plays were created. It was it was a call for this. It was th- this game with the the pitch conditions. The opposing side and the opposing defense we had today, uh, it was called for long balls deep to the wings and uh, create from there. It wasn't a game supposed to be like a short passing game in the middle or something like that. No, we had to be pragmatic. We had to be practical and score the chances we create. We could have scored more, definitely. but it was a very enjoyable game and and things just happened this time definitely definitely did happen and something that happened as well was the next attack almost saw armenia go 2-0 up uh it was a great pressure from the wing from adamian karapetian was doing exactly what he was asked to do was cutting off the defensive options and uh solomon udo pushed up he helped out as well and the pressure ended up paying off Next thing we knew, Ghazarian was in on goal, one-on-one, defender in front of him. He opens his body up wide, right-footed shot, but he hits the post. Uh, oh, chance creation. This is what it's all about. Exactly. Mm. From the limited possession that we knew we were going to have. Exactly. Because of the formation that was set up, because we understand when the opposite, how when the opposition plays their best and how to subdue that. Uh, but speaking of the opposition... The next major passage of play in the first half was the incredible double save from our goalkeeper. Uh, Chadens, how good was Yurchenko? He was definitely uh, amazing. Yes, he has conceded the goal. We always look at uh, clean sheets as a success for goalkeepers, but I think he was impressive in this game. Uh, We have to appreciate it and maybe a future Berezovsky. Maybe, because it, yes. if you look at everyone that we had post-Berezovsky, th- they would have let in a goal in that situation. True. He True. he made a very, very good double save from a header. And the num- that, their humongous Georgian number nine uh, got, you know, got in the air, made an excellent connection. Yurchenko got his glove down. And honestly, thank God for him, because I think if we saw Haida Petian uh, in goal... Uh, I, I, we probably would have let that in easy. And, and, yeah. and another, another quick, sorry to cut you guys off, but another quick note I wanted to make about Yurchenko, something that I noticed about him in this match in particular was that his distribution was substantially better. He was better able yeah. to get the ball yeah. up to the forwards mm-hmm. when in previous matches, he, the ball was getting hit out a lot. So that's something, something great, but floor is yours. I just wanted to to add about uh, Yochenko. For me, is moreover the his um, really good performances is already a, a true vocal leader and a true leader in this uh, in this squad. And um, you see it when um, when he he speaks he, when he he speaks in he's angry when 
when there are too much space for a Georgian striker. Um, really, he has a huge, huge importance. Uh, and uh, I'm very impressed uh, because he's just uh, here since uh, a few games. And he adapted himself in this squad um, perfectly. Yeah, yeah, and Aiton, he he shows up when he needs to, and he's reliable, and that's something we haven't been able to say yeah. about an Armenian keeper. Even it's... Berezovsky, uh, to be honest, he wasn't always reliable, palming it away when he should be grabbing exactly. it, etc. Yeah. But one thing that was reliable, or unreliable indication of how the match went, the halftime stats, Georgia led possession by, they had 73%. Armenia only had 27%. But, but Armenia created double the chances and had double the shots. Despite having a poor pass succession rate and far less touches on the ball. Some Something to think about. Like how we talk about how statistics can be a little bit misleading. Anyone that would look at purely the amount of time on the ball... Uh, doesn't really give you a true picture of how the first yeah. half went. Yeah. I would add to that. I would say that uh, this game was more of let them have it. If you look at the stats, you would think, <laughs> oh, we're being dominated or in this kind of uh, victim uh, idea. But it's not. It's actually the opposite. I think Kaparos had a plan to let them play as much as possible and then use the this this flexible way of uh, teamwork that we had in this game with different uh, uh, mixture of uh, attributes from the players to to be able to execute the game much better than what we have seen before. Definitely. It, and, it was a and game calling for counterattacks. It was. It was. And counterattacks and, and Kaparos definitely knew that was coming and he had... Yeah, played and planned out accordingly, and it was very apparent from the start. But one issue um, that was created because of the suppression of the Georgian style of play was the inability of Armenian fullbacks and wingers to stop those incoming crosses. That's something that Georgia was doing the full 90 minutes, ball after ball after ball after ball in the box. And fortunately for us today... Uh, every Armenian defender was alert and they were aware and the clearances were happening. There were no loose balls that we're used to seeing. It was a very well-drilled defensive Armenian team today. Yeah, this is completely true. And also, if you think about the... If you consider uh, this as a, a tactical point of view, uh, in the previous games, we had more of open uh, squads, uh, starting 11s. And... Uh, that would make the players in front be more high up the pr- uh, high up the pitch, so you wouldn't have much support coming in defense. Well, on this game though, we had a very balanced team, and we had the right midfielder and left midfielder, even though they switched sides so many times. We had them supporting our uh, fullbacks, and it was more of this um, good teamwork we have not seen in a while as well. Which was yeah. amazing to see. The, the yeah, another was... detail. 
Yeah, yeah. Just I, I would just, say that after the clearances, I'm sorry, <laughs> we're we're uh, interfering with each other. It's okay, uh, we'll cut this part. After the clearances, <laughs> after the clearance, I have to talk about the clearances. Go, go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Go ahead. The thing is, an, a key after the clearances, when you're defending so much, you need the the strikers and the attackers to deliver as well when they receive the clearance ball, right? And many, many times that doesn't happen to us. But today, after the clearances, everyone just delivered. Kara, when he received the, the balls uh, at the in the air, uh, Sako, the, all the same. Tigran Pasejian was very uh, clear-minded, whether it was uh, to receive the, 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 the ball after the clearance or approaching the guy that did. Um, And that led to the Georgian side having to kind of divide their attention between attack and defense, which is why they had to be confused. We confused them by basically doing our jobs, of course, not us, the the players, by performing the way they're supposed to. No slip-ups, whether it's defense or attack. And uh, it was overall a great performance on that aspect as well. Very important. And Theo, final thoughts on the first half before we move on to the second? Yeah, I just wanted to to add that I really appreciated the the right side tonight. Um, where I really um, found uh, Aroyan and Ambarzumian so strong and uh, so confident for the for the race for the rest of the team. And defensively, they were um, really. Uh, Really good uh, with um, uh, um, tackles uh, abilities, uh, defensive skills obviously, and uh, great uh, great position too. Um, so I I think uh, this is a, a great point also to to highlight. Yes, definitely. And we go into the second half. Uh, Armenia holding a one 0 lead. Thank you. Gevor Glazarian, even though I'm very critical of you. Uh, <laughs> so Armenia went in, 1-0 lead. Very similar to how um, the first match played out. And Armenia comes back out into the second half. A little bit more uh, direction from Kaparos. And we see a second half that kind of starts very similarly to how the first half starts. Georgia dominates possession. They start to look a little bit more dangerous. They make a couple substitutions, bringing on their more uh, attacking players, their more talented attacking players, rather than these younger uh, players that they had originally put out. And somehow, miraculously, Georgia get an equalizer. Chodens, was that penalty call the correct call? I wouldn't think so. Uh, I think it is obvious even if you have not seen the match, I can simply say that it was not even a shove, not even a... It was barely a proper touch on the player to concede a penalty like that. It's it's insane. And also, observing how the penalty went on, I would even uh, go on the controversial call that maybe there was even a chance of an offside on the Georgian side. Uh, but... At the end of the day, it's a referee's decision. Even if it's a very uh, stupid decision, 
<laughs> we have to accept it. Yeah, and we, unfortunately we do. And and I think you can also make the argument that uh, Armand Hovanesian was actually the one that was getting fouled. So it was it was it was an odd one for sure. Uh, I didn't understand the call myself. I was uh, I was I mean to be honest, I was angry. I was like jumping up and down, screaming that that wasn't a penalty. Um, <laughs> and and of course the the referee can't hear me. But the players for some reason didn't seem to protest it. Razarian uh, went and spoke uh, or at least tried to speak to the referee, and the referee wasn't even having it. Um, and Kashavili. Kazashvili, I should say, correct myself, uh, converts the penalty, slots it into the bottom right corner. Nothing your Chekhov could do about it. But again, the poor guy doesn't get to keep a clean sheet for no fault of his own. I mean, this is now the two penalties conceded against Macedonia in the first game. There was a penalty over here. Uh, am I missing another penalty? Yeah. No, but the Macedon- the first penalty against Macedonia was definitely unfair as well. Just yeah, as this one. Exactly. So we have two super questionable penalties right now. Uh, yeah. And if you take that Macedonia one out of the equation, uh, we would be looking really, really pretty right now. But that's not how things went, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but one thing we did note was that Armenia stuck to the game plan that Kaparos had said. They sat deep. They were compact. The wingers were coming to the, helping defend. That Adamian freedom and and creativity was still there, uh, and it led to some other chance creations. We had a somewhat of a half chance uh, coming again from a, a, a really good Tigran Barcelona run, crosses the ball into uh, Karapetian, but Karapetian kind of bundles in and it goes straight into the goalkeeper's hands. So Armenia wasn't short of chance creation, uh, but then something that we saw. Uh, a little bit later than maybe we would have wanted, but I understand keeping the integrity of the current team uh, because they were playing well so defensively. But we saw four substitutions being made all in the span of a few minutes. We saw Seto Grigorian come on for Armand Hovanesian at left back, which initially didn't make sense to me, a like-for-like switch when we needed a goal. But we'll get into that a little bit deeper. And we had Vaham Bichakshan, uh, Ashak Koryan and Muradian come on and the shape kind of changed from the 4-4-2 to a 4-2-3-1 that saw Koryan at 10 Vahan on left wing Tiko at right wing and Sako up top at false uh, at, at the 9 and Karapetian got subbed off uh, Theo that change of shape didn't necessarily change the style of play Armenia was playing but it did help a little bit didn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Van, mainly Van, um, give us more uh, more rapidity and, and um, fresh uh, abilities that we we didn't have at at, at this um, moment of the of the game. Um, I really appre- appreciated to Cyril uh, Gregorian um, uh, instead of uh, Ovanician because um, he made smart sacrifices. Yeah. He, he took risks when uh, chances were, were high, and um, I I'm really interesting interested uh, to to see him as uh, as a starter um, maybe against Macedonia. It's uh, surely not the, the best time, but Caparos um, seems to to love Serob. Uh, 
if I'm not wrong, it, it wasn't really called before Caparos. Um, so it's uh, it's still young also. Uh, it's really a good prospect for for the team, and uh, we didn't we don't have so much uh, great options as um, left wing, maybe uh, Camo or Vanissian too, but. Uh, it's, it's better at um, as a right wing or um, right uh, midfielder. So yeah, I'm I really enjoyed his um, his moments uh, when he when he came from uh, from the bench, and uh, we'll see we'll see how how Caparos uh, will manage uh, the case of uh, of setup. But um, yeah. Yeah, we, we we obviously are not shy of talking about the lack of defensive options for Armenia. So having someone like Arman Hovanesian able to come off the bench and give a little bit of calmness and clarity to our defensive play at a time that we expect, as fans, the team to just go crazy and start trying to uh, throw numbers forward and attack, which leads to defensive instability and mm. essentially a loss. Um but another interesting change was bringing Corian on, who, who came in at number 10. This is something that Kaparos had already done in the first two games uh, in the absence of Henrik Mkhitaryan. And Corian came, but he played a somewhat slightly different role. Right, Armin? Substitutions seem to have worked today. I mean, uh, Corian getting in... Uh, I had my doubts about him being fit, which is probably why he wasn't starting. And uh, being subbed in, he started to interchange with Sako to take the burden of pressuring off uh, the, the defense. Uh, we needed to keep pressuring the, the defense into making mistakes, into losing the ball, maybe some loose passes. And uh, it, it happened in the end. We got the ball in several occasions, the game plan just uh, remained the same as it was in the first half. And uh, yeah, changes are key. Substitutes are key. And we've been talking about this and uh, the the importance of substitutions. But speaking of things that weren't changing, Armenia was still having that same trouble from the first half of stopping the crosses on the wings. Chadens, can you talk a little bit about that? I think it's going to be like a, a future thing to look at. As I mentioned before with the fullbacks, yes, in this game they had some uh, support uh, with these crossings uh, and what the opponents were trying to do. But if we had another team analyzing us, uh, specifically Macedonia for the next game, I think we need to be very, very careful uh, and try to get the hang of it as much as possible. Even though we can have, of course, different uh, approaches to the game, we still need to uh, consider that this is some small issue that Kaparos needs to focus on. Yeah, and, and that's something that since game one in Macedonia, the fullbacks have been targeted by our opponents and they opt to go through the wings and not go centrally. Of course, that was Georgia's initial game plan. That's just their style of play, is to attack through the middle. But ushering them out wide, in a sense, kind of helped them because our fullbacks and our wingers were 
finding it very difficult for some reason to deal with the incoming crosses. And and as as was mentioned previously, uh, we saw Yurchenko screaming at the top of his lungs and <laughs> getting really, really angry uh, about about the lack of cutting off crosses. And that got a little bit better near the end of the game, especially that last like eight or so minutes that Armenia was just sitting back and knocking every ball forward. There was a lot of blocked crosses then, but that's how it should have been through the start. Um, but speaking of how things should have been, we could also speak about how things were, and things were looking really, really good for Armenia today, weren't they? Sargis Adamian, the guy who we had talked about so much, who we had hyped up and played up so much, we're saying this is the guy. Henrik who? We have our <laughs> Hoffenheim striker playing the all-important role. He was he was the he was the leader in the team today, uh, in a sense, up top. He was the calming presence. He brought a lot of aspects that Armenia generally misses uh, to this game, and we greatly benefited from it. Tigran Barserian picks up the ball in our own half on the right side, and he does essentially what he does best, and that is run as fast as he can, draw as many defenders as possible. So he's darting down that right wing. He has about three or four Georgian defenders on him, looks up, something he doesn't do often. That's why he takes a lot more <laughs> shots than passes. Takes a glance up, realizes, cuts on his left, plays Adamian through, thinks over the goalkeeper, into the side netting. Next thing we know, Armin is winning 2-1. Armin. How beautiful was that play? Yeah, it was very beautiful. I mean, yeah, sometimes Tico might come off, and I agree, a, a little selfish, maybe a little selfish, but the guy's just very dangerous, and uh, that's a very good thing for us. Uh, you can tell that he's onto something every time he picks up the ball, and uh, this time it just showed as well. He, the guy is when when he puts on the national team jersey, he just feels the responsibility. Definitely, definitely does. And uh, Tigran has been kind of an unsung hero of this entire campaign, right, Theo? Yeah, yeah. Our men say say it all. Um, Tico is really the the kind of player that um, each. Uh, Manager want to to have on his uh, on his team because he he gives everything he he has tonight and as every game as every national uh, team game uh, he really he impressed me because he's always uh, uh, raining running uh, he's always. Uh, uh, fighting, um, he really has the, the the sense of the responsibility uh, of uh, of our shirts and uh, of our national pride, and uh, it's so good for us as um, followers, for us as uh, uh, fans to to have players uh, as him in uh, in our loved squad, and uh, we obviously want more and more and more and more players as Tico um, and uh, and is obviously also uh, 
great with the ball and with so many technical abilities, um, but sometimes a bit uh, a bit selfish. He he has to to improve also. Um, this is why I was uh, a bit uh, sad on the last pod- last podcast podcast when I said um, he didn't move to a, a bigger championship, but. Uh, Maybe, maybe one day. I, maybe. I still hope. Yeah, but Astana is pretty good. Astana is pretty according yeah. to his level. It's I, just I, the the level of the championship. But indeed, Astana is uh, is pretty good and uh, and play regularly um, Europa League or or European uh, qualify. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So at the end of the match, full time. Armenia 2, Georgia 1. Despite Georgia dominating possession, Armenia had more chances created. Uh, We had the same amount of shots. We had far less passing than them, far less touches on the ball. Uh, We only had a pass succession rate of 68%. I'm sure that's something Kaparos is going to definitely touch upon before Macedonia. Uh, Here are some interesting statistics from this match and from Armenia in general. This was Armenia's first away win since the 3-2 win over Greece in Euro qualifiers. How do you guys feel about that? Mostly happy because it was against Georgia in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the derby. Yeah, it was it was the caucus derby. It now <laughs> we now have 10 consecutive away matches where we've scored a goal. Um I think Scoring is something we can never complain about when it comes to Armenia. Uh, weirdly enough, people don't think of Armenia when they think of scoring a lot of <laughs> goals. But Armenia scores. A, we score goals. I, it's Take it how you will. I mean, this next statistic that I have for you is going to explain just how many goals we've scored. Vladimir Weiss, the Georgian manager, outgoing Georgian manager now, I think uh, it, was, it was announced that he wouldn't be extending his contract with Georgia has never beaten Armenia as a manager. He had two attempts when he was manager of Slovakia. He lost 4-0 and 3-1. And now he had two attempts as manager of Georgia with a two-all draw and now a 2-1 loss. Vladimir Weiss, gotta love him, right? I wish we could play him every week. Armenia are now four matches undefeated. (laughs) This is the first time ever we have a win, draw, draw, win. Who are your man of the matches? Chodens. Boom. I would sound very biased if I go for Sarkis Adamian, but uh, I think I think we have to give credit for the defense as a long-term uh, process, because uh, the defense has worked very hard into becoming something that we have uh, had a problem with for a long time. So I would appreciate the defense a lot in this uh, few games. That's that's fair enough, Theo. Yeah, I totally agree with uh, with the challenge. Uh, it was what what I'm I was saying um, a few minutes ago about uh, Aroyan, about uh, Ambarzumian, and um, maybe the new left wing with uh, Gregorian or or someone else. But uh, it's a really long process, and uh, we have to be patient. But we also have to to encourage and to highlight. Uh, when um, when they played good and uh, uh, I also forgot obviously Yorchenko but um, yeah we, we we have to 
to focus also on the defensive side and not only on the midfield or attacking. It's maybe more sexy, but <laughs> defensive side for Armenia is um, is really the the main difficult uh, aspect. Yeah. And for yeah. years and years, so so it it will be a huge improvement uh, if uh, if we finally um, resolve this uh, this problem. Yeah, defensive discipline is something that we can we can definitely say. Defensive discipline. That's the that's your man of the match. Defensive <laughs> discipline. From, yeah, from well, defensive I'm midfielders sorry. to the defenders to the goalkeeper. Uh, yeah. An unsung hero, someone we haven't really spoken about as well in this match, despite have having a fantastic performance. Solomon Udo. Udo. He played yeah. tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. He won the ball on several occasions. He started several counterattacks. Very solid. I saw when he was substituted out, he went straight into the dressing room. I'm hoping uh, that was for maybe to start recovery process immediately, seeing as the game is Wednesday. Uh, I'm very much a fan of Solomon Udo. Uh, Armin, who was your man of the match? Yeah. Um, well, before getting into that answer... Uh... About Udo, yeah, I was telling, uh, I was talking about uh, how he was pretty good for the little time we got to see him uh, last month, and uh, that I would like to see him start for once. He did, he delivered, and uh, I'm very happy with him. I'm really, really happy. I, I, I believe, honestly believe he's way better than uh, Angulo f- for what we have seen, even if Angulo uh does feel like the the national team like it's his he did score a very beautiful game against estonia but even then i like salomon much better and uh, actually i'm expecting next match against macedonia to see him start alongside his uh, club teammate uh Karim muradian which is also national team level uh, both of them are young, 25 years each, I believe. So I'm very expectant about those two guys performing together for both club and country. About going back to your question, I would say uh, both Tigran and uh, Sako, both of them, Tiko and Sako off the wings, they were uh, remarkable. Yeah, I, I think uh, let's look at the statistics here. Tigran Barcelona during the this particular UEFA Nations League campaign had has one goal and four assists so far. He's definitely the standout player, but he's the standout player isn't getting nearly as much of the attention as he probably should be. Uh, but of course, people like us who watch Armenia regularly, who watch these players play at club level, aren't surprised because this is Tico. This is how he's been performing. So for my money, I would give the man of the match probably to Tigran Barsegan, seeing as he's given a couple of assists. But we can't discount Sargis Adamian, who has come back from eight months out. He's been in amazing form for Hoffenheim. And finally, against all this criticism that we've heard of him, he has performed in a national team shirt. And I don't care if people say, oh, this is the only time he's ever performed. You are going to see a much different Sargis Adamian now than you have ever seen play for Armenia because he is playing under a manager that knows how to play him, a manager that has experience managing players like Sergio Ramos. So we have someone 
who we can really look up to, who can set up tactically and teach our players how to win a game just like how they did today. But Plus, Sako has always worked hard for the national team. I mean, we're just seeing his efforts being paid off right now, but he's yeah. always played hard and he's always played good. Exactly. And he's missed out on about a year of national team play, which also doesn't help. So yeah, here's to a lot more Sargis Adamian goals. But the UEFA Nations League is not over yet. We have one more match left to go, and this is how the table look currently looks. Each team in the table has played five matches so far. We have North Macedonia leading with nine points. They have two games won, three drawn, and zero losses, so they're still undefeated. They've scored nine goals, conceded seven, and they have a plus-two goal difference. Armenia, woohoo, second place. We've won two, drawn two, and we have one loss. That only loss coming against North Macedonia, and that we have scored eight goals we have conceded six three of which very key are penalties so we've only we've conceded (laughs) we've conceded three goals from open play that for armenia in five matches amazing statistic and we have (laughs) eight points georgia third place they have one win three draws one loss they have six goals scored uh Six goals conceded. They have a zero goal difference with six points. And Estonia confirmed bottom now with zero wins, two draws, and three losses. They are at a negative four goal difference and two points. So the Nations League isn't over. There's still one match. We play Macedonia. Georgia plays Estonia. Second place isn't cemented for Armenia by any means. Right, Jadens? Yeah. Yeah. We've got to keep moving forward. That's what, that's what I can say. Um, hopefully we can achieve something. Yeah. Wednesday is going to be an important game. Georgia's behind us by only two points. If they win and we lose, uh, which we're expecting Georgia to beat Estonia, uh, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, Estonia can pull out the victory, and that would guarantee second place for Armenia if we were to lose against North Macedonia. But we don't want to see Armenia's destiny go out of their own hands. Exactly. We're just going to keep focused, and we cannot expect what's going to happen from other games. We cannot rely on them. So exactly. all we got to do is keep going. Yeah, and spoken like a true coach, focus on yourself, not on the other teams. So Macedonia exactly. today uh, had the early match of the day. They had a very hard-fought 2-1 win over Estonia. They only made four changes Uh from their starting 11 against Georgia, we had Siskovsky for Dmitrievsky, Spirovsky for Ademi, Tchaikovsky for Alioski, and Tchaikovsky for Pandev. Um, but that's not all the players that they're going to be missing, right, Armin? No. <laughs> I mean, we have some absentees, as we were talking at the beginning of this podcast, but um, I wouldn't say luckily, but yeah, Macedonia has a lot of absentees, especially for the final game they have against us. Um, Well, let's go over those for a bit. They are going to be missing their captain, Goran Pandev, no less than Goran Pandev. Uh, Also, Dimitrievski, I don't know, Enes Bardi, Nikolov due due to a suspension, Spirovski as well suspended. Uh, 
then there's a Demi Ristovsky and Stars Alioski and uh, well finally he's not an absentee rather than in doubt so far but hopefully he'll be off as well uh, Elmas Elmas is in my opinion the soul of a Macedonian national team he was the the star uh, in their victory against us uh, two months ago and uh, undoubtedly undoubtedly the the star so if he's out um, it's going to be a very big blow for them yeah and even we're we're going to be looking at uh we have a squad list that they likely have for Armenia according to our friends at Macedonian Footy on Twitter it's very likely that a couple of under 21 players from Macedonia will be called up for this match in particular and it's not because of a lack of caring. Of course, the Macedonian Football Federation, I'm sure, would love to top this table. Uh, yeah. Will go perfectly with their Euro qualifications. They'll be going into Group B in the Nations League, playing against better teams in and out. And also, we can talk, there's that alternative path to the World Cup that comes from topping this group. And that's something that I know Macedonian Football Federation is not going to want to risk. So the players and the current squad that we know of currently for Macedonia is very thin. They have a couple of places, uh, spots in the midfield, both defensively and offensively, where they're going to probably bring in a couple players from the under under 21 squad. But yeah, this is going to be a thin Macedonia just as much as it was a thin Armenia today. So let's see, Theo, what do you think the approach is going to be from Joaquin Kaparos for this match against Macedonia. Do you think the 4-4-2 is going to be an appropriate formation, or do you think he's going to make other adjustments and a whole new game plan? I think the 4-4-2 the could be appropriated um, because we, we saw tonight that uh, this, uh, this type of formation uh, uh, really... Um, um do did well um with uh, adamian also uh, obviously as a false nine so it's it isn't really um uh two at the front and they didn't move uh, on the line they are just uh, uh, uh by waiting uh, um ball the ball and uh, and they want to score no uh, adamian um give us more creativity more, uh, and more um, ability to to uh, distribute the ball on the on the game um, and uh, mainly we have to we have to be positive and we have to be confident uh, for me it will be um, this change of mentality in this uh, decisive game um, which maybe uh, could lead us to the, the, the to the victory and to this step that we we didn't pass uh, since uh, maybe uh, always. And um, I really trust on Caparos. Uh, he showed us tonight that uh, we can be confident on on him, and um, we'll see. But four four two for me is appropriate. And um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see maybe uh, Udo as starter, but not sure about uh, Gregorian. Uh, maybe Armen <laughs> will be not agree with, with me, but uh, uh, Beymar uh, with Udo 
uh, could be a great solution because I'm not sure Muradian isn't really uh, ready for the for this this type of game. Maybe it's uh, it will be a bit complicated for him to 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 put him as a starter for the first time in the yeah, but in the Neymar isn't cold though. Neymar is. Is Beymar suspended or...? No, so Beymar was called into the initial squad, but he missed out on the match day squad today. The Football Federation didn't make any sort of formal announcements on why he wasn't included in the match day squad. Uh, we'll, we may find out in the coming days what have ha what has happened to him, uh, but it's he's definitely a player that we, f we feel like if he is available and fit, he, he probably starts. I, I think Let's Joaquin not Caparis forget, is, though... Let's yeah. not forget that Ubeymar is uh, a Gansa Sarkapan player, which uh, has uh, withdrawn from from the season in Armenia, Gansa Sark. So mm. maybe that has to do with uh, with this. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe he lacked maybe he lacked fitness. Uh, we're we're not sure. But um, speaking of players and fitness, Adamian played a lot of minutes today. He was clearly very tired. Uh, yeah. in, around the 80th minute mark, uh, he wasn't able to make those energetic presses that he was doing earlier in the game. Uh, and also Kazarian, who is definitely not a young player by any sense of the imagination. Uh, Armin, do you see these two starting? Nope. <laughs> the, the short answer is no. Uh, but about Adamian, I mean... Definitely. I don't think Kazarian will start against Macedonia. As you said, he played uh, most of the match and he's not uh, fresh enough anymore. So I think he will come off as a super sub with uh, all of his experience against Macedonia. Hopefully will be still uh, in game and uh, why not winning. So Kazarian might prove essential in uh, the final minutes. About Adamian, on the other hand, uh, I agree he's not fit enough to start, which is why here comes the big question mark uh, for Caparros, and uh, it involves us because we have talked long and uh, a lot about Vahan Bichachan and uh, how I believed he was uh, this time, maybe with the absence of Mkhitaryan, the opening for him to start. Well, now we don't have Mkhitaryan, we don't have Bayramian, we don't have Balikian, and we have a really tired Adamian. Is this the time for Vahan Bajakchian to start? I think it is. Well, if if we look at it, I, I know Sargis Adamian played 90 minutes across a week, uh, all off the bench, and that's where he did his work. And today, he played about 80 or so minutes, uh, and he looked really tired, but I think... 90. He, he played uh, 90 minutes. Oh yeah, so there you go. So he played almost the entire almost the entire match. He got substituted yep. off really late, and we we know he's tired. But I think if the manager comes up to him and tells him and asks him, "How are you feeling? Or do you think you can start?" I think that question is going to be yes. I don't think it's going to be a question about him re-aggravating his injury. I don't think oh, that's I don't think that's possible. Uh, well, of course, there's a possibility, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think even if it's 60 minutes, I think we will see Aldamian start. Whether or not it's going to be two strikers again, I don't know, because uh, it seemed to work today. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the right formation to play a, a North Macedonian side who is 
is better than Georgia. I think that's fair to say. They are a better team. And they have more talented players. And they can punish us. So I think the big question marks are going to come in the defensive midfield partnership, whether Udo is fit or not. If he is, I I think he would likely start. Grigorian, not young, but he started every single game, despite the few-day turnaround of the Nations League. I think we'll see a similar formation. I think we'll see Karapetan Adamian start up top. I think we might see Korian and Barcerian on the wings to start off. Uh, And I think we are going to see maybe not the exact same game plan because that is not how North Macedonia plays. But I think we'll see something similar where Armenia is going to try to get the advantage through counterattacks. And I think it's going to work. There's going to be a little controversial. Yeah, there's also a more surprising um, option, but uh, we have to to think about. Um, maybe Caparos could uh, put Korean as uh, a false nine, uh, as the the role of uh, of Adamian tonight, because Korean is. Yeah, I would suggest that too. Yeah, yeah, Korean is uh, is um, available to to play as uh, as a winger or as a number ten, and um, yeah. In this false nine role, um, I think it could be it could be fit and um, yeah is 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 fast. Uh, he has good technical abilities. Um, it could work. It could work also. Um, Caparos maybe think about it um, already. So. I mean, if you I mean, if you if you take a look at the match uh, and Chavez, you can back me up on this one. Uh, that is kind of the role that Korean played when he got subbed on, right, Chadens? Yeah, I would say that. Um, it's not the same as Sarkis Adamian, obviously, uh, but he has the same uh, mindset of the goal-scoring opportunity, assisting, uh, offering more width, which... Uh, we kind of had a little issue with. We're actually expecting more of this uh, winger type roles, but um, either way, we got off well. Uh, hopefully, I think it's possibility that he can start. So, all right, all right, all right. So <laughs> that concludes it. Wednesday, 9 p.m. Yerevan time is going to be Armenia versus North Macedonia. It will be played in Nicosia, Cyprus, as Armenia is not allowed to have home matches. And it is going to be the final match of the UEFA Nations League. A win would see Armenia top the group, qualify for a potential playoff spot for the FIFA World Cup, something that Armenia has never done before. Armenia has never topped the group. Armenia has never qualified for a playoff. And this can be something... Exactly. This can be something... can do this. (laughs) <laughs> very, very key going into next year's World Cup qualification cycle, which oh is going God. to be very similar to how this Nations League was, but uh, two times. Uh, we're going to have one in the first half of the year, one in the second half of the year. So that concludes it from Football Gentron today. We will be back to summarize <laughs> and review Armenia versus Macedonia, hopefully putting all the good energy out there with an <laughs> Armenia win. I have been yes. Autumn, and on, yeah, yeah. And on so behalf funny. of Chadens, Theo, and Armin, thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everyone.
<laughs> Let's go.